One of the things that leadership development often struggles with is impatience. You may feel the urgency, like we need three deacons or we need some elders. But if you move too quickly, you aren't helping them, you're not helping the church. And I can't stress enough how important it is for pastors just to make time to get with men in the church. It's just slow work, but just faithful work. Getting with guys, discipling guys, and then moving toward ministry opportunity. Welcome back to the Small Town Summit Podcast. As always, our aim is to encourage and equip you as you serve Jesus in small places throughout New England. And today we're talking leadership development with Dan Crichton. Dan is a pastor of Grace Bible Church in Cranston, Rhode Island. And he's joined by his son, Andrew, his son-in-law, Ben Emberley, and a deacon in their church, Dylan Barrage. All of these men have trained with Dan, and you are going to be greatly blessed by this conversation. So much wisdom, uh, so much encouragement to continue in the work of entrusting the gospel to faithful men who will be able to uh, hand it off to others and train others also. So enjoy this conversation. May the Lord use it to equip you and bless you as you seek to uh, be trained and to train in the local church. Well, gentlemen, uh, welcome to the Small Town Summit podcast. It is a privilege to have you on. We got Dan Crichton and crew. Um, so what I want to do is let you guys uh, introduce yourselves first so we know who we've got on the call what your role is or has been at Grace Bible and uh, how you came to be on this podcast before we get the conversation started. So Dan, let's start with you, brother. Okay, so my name's Dan Crichton. I serve as one of the pastors at Grace Bible Church. I uh, was part of the founding team um, back in 2007, uh, we planted the church. Um, prior to that, serving as a church planning pastor in South Africa for about nine and a half years. Um, prior to that, helping uh, in my dad's church for about eight years here in Rhode Island. Andrew, how about you, man? Hey, uh, yeah, Andrew Crichton, um, son of Dan. I was an intern from in the summer of like 2017. That sounds right. Yeah, um, and now I'm an intern at another church. Um, as a okay. pastoral apprentice. Very cool. Uh, hi, my name is Ben Emberley, and I was a intern kind of at Grace Bible Church during the years of 2018-2019 and uh, came up through that program kind of off and on. It was a busy time for our family and so I was serving where I could. And then have since moved to Northfield, Massachusetts, where I'm now an uh, associate pastor at Community Bible Church. Awesome. So you interned after marrying Dan's daughter, not before. That wasn't like to get married. That was later. <laughs> correct. That's okay. Correct. That's awesome. Like, Dan, tell us about your strategy of developing leaders. Like, I develop son-in-laws. So, <laughs> Dylan, how about you, man? daughters. Yeah, uh, so I'm Dylan Barrage. I have been a member at Grace Bible Church for it's been probably five or six years now. I came as a college student and uh, stuck around in the area and live here now. 
my wife um, and daughter. So I serve as a deacon of member care at Grace Bible Church. I have been for about a year or two. Very cool. Well, we are talking about leadership development in the church today. And I love that, Dan, when I asked you to come on the podcast to talk about leadership development, you're thinking, let me bring on some leaders. Let me bring on some guys that we've developed or are developing, which is, um, to me, just so perfectly depicted the heart of why you're the one that's on the podcast right now talking about this because uh, you've lived it and you are living it. So tell us a little bit what about what this has looked like at Grace and some of what you guys have seen God do through this heart that he's given you to see leaders developed in the local church. I would say back in 2008, um, I was attending and kind of a weekender learning about ecclesiology in the church, already had a heart for a plurality of elders. But um, it was during that time that kind of 2 Timothy 2.2 was put in front of me. Um, And up until that point, I'd often thought about 2 Timothy 2, just about one-to-one discipleship. And that had kind of driven me for decades and just always having one or two guys doing one-to-one discipleship with. But when, when um, we got underway with Grace Bible Church and understanding the, the mandate to, of churches and pastors, raising up pastors for churches, and the need of plurality of elders in the local church, um, yeah, so we, we got underway striving to, first of all, develop elders, um, and then second of all, develop deacons. So in the early days, it, it really looked like just getting some guys together on a Saturday morning um, and understanding what the scriptures taught about eldership. Um, I think in those days, I used Alexander Strzok's book, mm-hmm. um, we got some guys together that wanted to look at the diaconate. And so those were just early days and then one-to-one discipleship carrying on throughout the church. Um, in the last, I would say Dylan was at five or six years. I think we began kind of the pastoral internship ministry and trying to more, um, intensively help, um, brothers develop, um, as elders in our church or, or, um, for strengthening other churches. So we've had a number of guys come through as well as developing, um, our deacons in our church. Wonderful. So in your experience, what has elder training and the the deacon training uh, looked like? I I know you mentioned biblical eldership by Strauch as a resource. This pastoral internship, is that a a year-long thing, a two-year-long thing? Have you developed tracks for that? What, What does that look like? Really committed to the two offices of elders and deacons, right? So Mm. trying to give space in our, in our development of brothers in both those capacities. So for example, Dylan and two other of our deacons, um, we got together once a week, I think, went through like a 10 week ecclesiology um, developed by Brackenhurst Baptist Church in South Africa. Um, we just got together, worked through the text and talked about 
what does it look like to serve the church as a deacon in specific roles and functions? In our pastoral internship ministry, we've tried to be quite flexible. So we've had some guys who have done it. Um, Reed, I think, did a six week straight in the summertime as a break um, between the seminary studies. Um, other guys like Andrew, Dexley, Evan, Ben a little bit were working full-time jobs. So I would, we had a reading track. They would read a book uh, over two weeks, write a paper. And then every Wednesday night after prayer meeting, they would get, sit down with myself, um, some of our elders, other brothers in the church, kind of talk through their papers. So that was a, a big part of just reading, writing, getting their um, ecclesiology correct and just um, established. And at the same time, so there's two things that we're really passionate about. One is preaching and pastoring for our elders. And so helping them understand ecclesiology, getting involved in the life of the church, and then at the same time, helping them develop as preachers. And so Simeon Trust Workshops have been a real great resource for us. Um, all these guys have been to Simeon Trust. Um, we use the worksheets and then give these guys opportunities to preach. And so in our Sunday evening, um, all these, these three brothers have preached. And these three guys right here handle the word really well. But I think it's taking time together, right guys? Um, and then giving opportunity to get some reps in the church and teaching the church to just be gracious to the guys, let them preach. We do a sermon review after for some feedback. And uh, yeah, it's just the same thing over and over again for a long time. Yeah, that's beautiful. A few things that are so amazing just sitting here with you guys is one, you've referenced guys that these aren't the only three guys that have been through a program, but I think it's really meaningful, especially to me as a dad, that uh, your son, son-in-law even wanted to train with you at all is awesome. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's great. So I want to come to you guys now um, because I want to hear some of the things that have been most helpful to you in your training, but also were there any obstacles in entering into the process, whether it was spiritual warfare or insecurities or things that some people listening may be thinking through, I don't know. I kind of been feeling like I need to pursue training in the local church, but I'm not sure if it's for me. Did any of you guys have any of that? And how did you overcome those to get into the process? Yeah, I, I think I can speak to that. Um, one thing I was really thankful for with Grace Bible Church's internship program, particularly just Dan's work as well, was how willing he was to be flexible. I was about halfway through seminary when we moved to Rhode Island and had one daughter at the time and was just entering into a full-time job in manual labor that was really difficult and distracting. And uh, Dan and the elders really just wanted to, in, I think what I felt was invest in me. You know, they were looking to develop me, not necessarily uh, get me through a program. So they knew I was coming um, and had some, a little bit of training ahead of time and wanted to use that to the benefit of the church and then use also the church's environment to benefit me. And I could just sense that. And so the flexibility 
that we had to work through reading sometimes. So I kind of partly did the internship and did some writing and some reading. That was kind of the official formal side of it. But then Dan just also invited me into elders meetings. There was a, um, a stage where we met weekly and worked through First Second Timothy. And that was huge for me just to, we just talked pastoral ministry during that time and prayed. And um, all of that was formative to how I thought about the church and ministry. So flexibility was a big part. And then one other thing I, I would add that I appreciated was because they had already been doing some of this, there were guys there who had been through the internship and these brothers were just great resources to uh, discuss theology and uh, pragmatics. And, um, you know, I was coming, I was coming from a just, just only slightly different theological background, particularly in some terms of eschatology and that sort of thing. And these guys were great. We love talking about this stuff and they would, they would rib me and I'd rib them and and then we worked through it with grace and come to conclusions and I loved that and it was it was good for me it softened me to to some things that maybe I was a little bit too sharp on and um so those are things as far as the things that we appreciated that, that I would contribute to that side of things were those guys um former interns that were still part of the church or do you have sort of past interns speaking into the internship process Dan at that stage, uh, Andrew was still around. I think uh, Dexley and Evan were still around. Just before Dexley and Evan took a, a pastoral and eldership position in Providence. So, I mean, in August, we usually have a series of these guys come back and, and guys that are in our church and preach Sunday mornings in August. But they're close enough by even now, you know, near enough to, to even have input and relationship with the guys. Really neat. Andrew or Dylan, I don't know if you either of you have anything to speak into that entry point question. Um, well, so I'd just share for me, I initially, when I was first kind of asked to teach a couple of times, I struggled with like knowing if I was able to actually handle the word well, <laughs> you know, and uh, so I appreciate all the people that listen to my, you know, my teachings and stuff with grace. Um, but I, I would say that as far as like, you know, urging someone to step into a role that they're asked to maybe for the first time or like take on a new type of like for teaching, for example, for me, um, I think that our own faculties can be deceptive, like our own hearts, um, either like in one way being too prideful or haughty about our abilities or in the other sense for me being too modest about my abilities as well. And so I think that if, I could give advice to someone who's asked to or is given an opportunity like that to go for it. And I think really it's helpful to in discerning God's call by, you know, getting feedback from others. You know, if other people are saying that, hey, this was a blessing to me, then that speaks volumes more than whatever I think about myself. That's good. I think, yeah, if a pastor is coming to you and saying, I, I see this in you, I see that the Lord may want to do some work here. That, that should weigh heavily if you're serving in that context and he's going to be able to see some things probably that younger guys can't and can even strengthen or encourage something and draw it out. And I think that that's really cool to be able to step in and say, well, I don't sense this and I feel afraid, but I'm going to step out because I'm being asked to, which is bold and I think really honors the Lord. Andrew, do you have anything to add? 
Yeah, I think for me, my main insecurity was stepping up. I'm used to being the pastor's son, used to being involved in some sort of way. And if someone else has something to say, then that's fine kind of thing. But what I learned from the internship and even from he had that uh, elder training before that, just what eldership is and being pushed through to seminary was just, yeah, just getting comfortable with getting in front of guys, speaking up, like actually taking ownership of things rather than just kind of skating through the church and being like, well, if I'm part of it, I'm part of it and it's fine. Um, but that discipleship actually does entail taking ownership and, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So Ben, one, just on this point, we didn't like just throw a text at these guys and say, go for it, preach it, you know? So yeah, we were, right. so we were doing a series on, I think one of the last ones we did was like on the promises of God versus on the promises of God and would give guys texts. And then even like a Simeon Trust worksheet, something like that, where they could kind of do some work on the text, sit down with another elder, kind of share their work, get some input, have them work on a manuscript, look it over, and then, yeah, have them preach to the church on a Sunday evening. Then in the sermon review, we would have some guys, anyone, you know, any church members that wanted to join us, um, other interns and elders, just sit down and, okay, what did they do well in delivery and content? And if they could do it again, what would they do differently or better? And that kind of input and feedback we found has been really helpful in giving guys the opportunity and encouragement to keep making progress in their preaching. And it's really good for guys in kind of formative years to learn to receive feedback and to learn how to receive it humbly kind of learn to be a learner and, and to grow and to continue to sharpen uh, your craft for the glory of the Lord. So this is probably a personal question, but when we're looking for qualified elders and deacons, you're looking for men that are serving in some of these ways without a title or they already have the characteristics or the qualifications and you're identifying that and drawing it out. Also read, it'd be better to not have deacons than to have unqualified deacons. So how do you identify guys to invite into the training? Have you experienced instances where they weren't qualified yet, but you had areas where you were really focused on training them in, in a specific qualification. So they got to that place. What does that look like for you guys? I would say, um, church membership is important and we kind of watch, guys participation you know as a member are you getting with other guys in the church are you faithfully gathering with the church um yeah are you one-to-one -one bible reading with somebody so you know I'm, I'm constantly trying to connect guys and these guys do as well I, I watch them do it so we're looking for that i think that begins to show some shepherding and desire to see people grow and change and then, yeah, I just, I watch lives, you know, and just, we talk with one another and we get with one another. I can't stress enough how important it is for pastors just to make time to get with men in the church, old and young. Like I, Wednesday, every Wednesday morning, read the Bible with one of the guys from my church on Zoom. Thursday morning, I meet another guy. 
we read the Bible, we've been doing it for months and it's been strengthening for my own life and, and I hope in their life as well. So I think in that natural flow, we get to talk about those kind of issues and then see them addressed and hopefully corrected. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that leadership development often struggles with is impatience. You know, when I, I'm a grass guy, I like a really nice green lawn. These guys not. Yes. Um, and I used to early on, you know, I would go, I would see these guys with beautiful lawns and I'd say, you know, how do I do that next? You know, I want this in a week. And no, it's going to be three years before you have that nice lawn. It's going to take some overseeding, some feeding, some watering, some weeding, all of that. And I have to think of that way with, with raising brothers, you know, move toward ministry. You may feel the urgency, like we need three deacons or we need some elders. But you're right. If you move too quickly, you aren't helping them. You're not helping the church. Um, so it's just slow work, but just faithful work of getting with guys, discipling guys, and then moving toward ministry opportunity. It's a great word patient, but not growing weary in it, not giving up on it, faithfully plodding along. So last question for you for a second, Dan, and then I want to move back to these other brothers. What would you highlight of what you have seen the Lord do since this time that you've been committed to raising up elders and deacons in the church? It may not be a specific story, but ways that you could encourage brothers that are considering or wanting to raise up leaders in the church, how you've seen the Lord move and work over these last years. I've seen the Lord give our church a passion to see faithful men raised up to pastor churches and Mm -hmm. they willingly give money toward it now for seminary scholarships, buy books and their hearts are invested in it. They enjoy sitting down with these brothers and doing sermon reviews and hosting them. And we have guys in our church who have given away books and libraries to these guys, you know, so it's been a blessing to the church. Um, So I'm I'm encouraged about that. I, I think what I would say to brothers that are listening to this is start with what you have and be faithful with what you have. Grow as a pastor and share your life with other brothers and it will be a blessing to you long term on your hard days these are brothers here that encourage me you know um, that they love the church they love the word and they're they're young men that are eager to serve the church well awesome well guys uh may we go in reverse order when you look back on your time training at grace what what's been most helpful to you Yeah, I think being trained not only by dad, but by the whole church as the whole church gets trained together. I think that's something really special that I saw at Grace. It's not just learning from one guy, but like, I think something that grew out of the sermon, uh, the sermon reviews is being able to see the older men at the church as I can learn something from these guys and they are actually more knowledgeable than me in Christianity. And so I need, I need these men to pour into. Um, I think that that's something that before, really before the um, pastoral internship happened, that there really was kind of like a small group of guys 
that was in, interested in like doctrine and theology, but we were kind of detached from older guys. And so a lot of those guys just fizzled out. But ever since uh, the internship, there's been a stronger connection between older guys pouring into younger guys mm. and, um, and that being received and sought after. And that's wonderful. Dylan, how about you, man? What's been most helpful? It might sound kind of counterintuitive, but it's just God's wisdom, I suppose. But I think that for me, since I've stepped into the role of deacon of member care, since then, there's just been a lot of suffering in our church among, you know, different, um, among different people and seeing and pressing into that is challenging, but that's actually been one way that God has encouraged me through seeing people suffer well and faithfully cling to the promises of God. Mm. Um, I actually, I work as a, a nurse. And so it's literally my job to care for people like mm. in their physical bodies. And so it's just been, you know, being able to see people suffer well and biblically has just been encouraging and helped me to, you know, it, it's humbled me. I think it's maybe more compassionate and caring and I can, I feel better equipped now to care for people spiritually as well as physically um, in the church too. So great, man. And I'm so thankful that you're modeling for people whether you realize it or not, a bivocational ministry and going hard at a hospital and then coming home and caring for members and being willing to have that vantage point to learn from close contact is beautiful, man. So thank you for that. Ben, how about you, man? I think what's most helpful for me is just the example of investing in men and training them for leadership. Uh, I really want to commend what Dan kind of ended with and affirm that he really models that just this idea that um, fruit is, is shown over time. And I've talked to Dan at times when the fruit is not immediately apparent. So for example, in the last year and a half, a lot of the young men who he was investing in and using as resources to fill ministries and that we were being trained, a lot of us left to different ministries. And so now Dan's left kind of having to restart. And so in, in that moment, it's like, what do I do? Well, I heard him just last week say, start investing in men again, you know? Mm. And, I, and I just, the fruit is, um, is a variety of fruits. So you have Dylan, who's a deacon, you know, you have some guys in pastoral ministry, one guy who went to be a pastor in Providence, took one of the interns with him, and he's just a member in the church, and he's a, a resource for him, serving and teaching. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but I'm pretty sure you've done elder training before that hasn't necessarily yielded elders immediately. So he's just always doing this, you know, and restarting and they do. Um, I talked to a guy at their church uh, who, you know, isn't a deacon or an elder, but they did a sermon preparation class and he was, he did a Sunday night sermon and I was texting with him and he was so excited that he had this opportunity to try something new to serve the church. And so there's all this different type of fruit. It's not just senior pastors going out. Um, and it's not just elders. You have deacons, you have elders, you have people just serving through single opportunities to teach and they're all being trained and learning. So, and that just takes a lot of time. And so as I've watched Dan do that since 2018, I just long to do the same thing in our church. 
And so if, if I could talk to, you know, pastors or young men, the thing I would say is you just got to start, you know, you can't wait till you have it all together. You pray about it. You put some resources together and you start investing in people. So if you're a young man and think you have an inclination, inclination towards ministry, ask an older man in your church to start discipling you. Um, and if you're a pastor looking for how to do this, start identifying someone that you can start investing in and training and trust that the Lord is going to allow that to bear fruit over time. And I, and I think he will. I think that's what he's done at Grace Bible and is continuing to do. That's so valuable, Ben. I hear people say tongue in cheek, you know, John Piper, Tim Keller, John MacArthur, they're not at your church, they're not preaching those sermons. You know, you got to preach with the gifts that God's given you. And I think the same thing applies here. You know, I could send men to Dan to train. And after listening to this, guys probably might leave our church to go train with you. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but what's beautiful is just what you said. God's put those, he, he's building his church. And so he's put those men with the pastors that he has, and he has the men in the church that he does. And he wants us to be making disciples. He wants us to be having this second Timothy two, two ministry uh, with the people that we have. And I'm so grateful for the ways that you guys are modeling it. And I think how you're seeing that ripple effect of even grace Bible's influence beyond the borders of that church. Now, as guys have gone on uh, to pastor at other places is really beautiful to watch. Uh, and has and to ben, be rewarding for you, Dan, to see. It is. And um, most days I, I battle discouragement, just like every other ordinary pastor. You know, I mean, they're just the rigors and burdens of ministry weigh my shoulder as well. And mm -hmm. we don't have a giant church and we're, there's nothing fancy about us. Um, so it's just ordinary brothers, ordinary pastors, finding what Christ said in his word to be true you know someone has entrusted this deposit to us and we need to faithfully entrust it to other faithful men who can teach others also but i think that example of you not being this mega church you're not being this you know flashy like we just churn out people because we have all the resources and all the money and and people are just flocking because of how flashy things are i think that's so helpful for us who are ministering in smaller place contexts or in other parts of New England to say, you don't have to be a big church to be a launch pad. Yeah. And so oh, we appreciate your example. Ben, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was just going to say, Dan basically said it, but if you were to walk into Grace Bible, it's not like it's immediately apparent. You know, it's not like it's not like leadership training is a banner over the door as you walk in. Ministry isn't really this flashy thing you know it's it is that patience that that we've all just been talking about yeah so i, I want to end with two final questions and dan you've referenced some resources a bit that's in our conversation one a, a resource from south africa that i don't know if people can get their hands on um for training guys and then you mentioned yeah. some of Strauch's resources and simian trust are there other resources even on the topic of leadership development or that you've used inside of the process that you found uniquely helpful that you would recommend to brothers that are thinking, you know what, I am going to step out. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so I would say um, getting a hold of Capitol Baptist Church's reading plan was formative for us. It gave us a, a place to start, even though we might not have used all the books they you know, were, were using to read. It was something, it was a framework to begin with and kind of modify. Nine marks. So is that available online? That's Capitol Hill Baptist in Washington, D.C., right? Yeah. With Mark Dever. Yeah. And and Dever's book, Nine Marks Marks of a Healthy Church, was just helpful from the standpoint of it really just helped shape some conviction in my heart about ecclesiology, Mm -hmm. that I had a a good working understanding of of the church um, and what it should look like and what we're striving to do, what we are striving to do in, in our local church. Um, I just read a great book by Rico Tice, Faithful Leaders. It's a small book. Um, read it a couple weeks ago in South Africa. I would recommend that book to just any pastor right now for encouragement. And yeah, and just it'd be a great book to take your leaders through um, in your church, your elders and deacons. Yeah, but we're available if there are guys that listen, you know, pastors throughout New England, small small town pastors that would would like some help with some of these things, some reach out to us. Nothing's original with us. We're just, we learn from anybody else, you know, that's doing something and, and take something and try to use it and see what works for us. Well, cool. So Dan, I'll, I'll give you this question first and then I'm going to turn it over to you guys. And that's the same thing. So if you were to give some kind of final encouragement or a blessing to either pastors who are looking to get started or even to continue. Maybe they're, maybe they've had enough experiences of not seeing leaders actually develop out maybe guys have burnout or whatever else along the way. How would you encourage pastors seeking to develop leaders in the local church? I would just um, encourage them to stay at it and that staying at it doesn't mean the same thing in every season. So right now we don't have any interns at our church. Um, We're praying for some, but we do have brothers, members in our church who we are working with and giving them opportunity to preach. So we are continuing discipleship and praying the Lord will send other interns, but just stay at it. And over the long haul, I believe we will honor our Lord and and help prepare the church for the next generation. All right, brothers, your turn. So either or to pastors or men considering training in the local church, or maybe they're not considering it. Uh, how would you encourage guys listening in either in either camp? Ben, start with you. I think I'll just say, uh, be committed to the local church. And I'm, I'm directing that mainly at younger guys. Uh, I remember in college, I was an RA for a year. And I remember the first semester getting freshmen around me and saying, you guys need to commit to a church. And just please do it. Take a couple of weeks and find a church and start investing in it. And I remember at Christmas Christmas break, talking to some of those same guys and being like, you know, what church are you going to? Are you committed? And and getting these answers like, "Ah, you know, I've been here, been there, kind of, and just being frustrated. Like, I tried to tell you guys, like, so, you know, next semester, like, start start over, you know, because you need to find a church and commit to it because this sort of 
this sort of training doesn't just happen. You don't step into it on accident. It doesn't yeah. just you don't run into it one day. I mean, maybe maybe God will bless you with that and get a hold of you that way. But you do have it takes investment and pursuit. So younger guys just and and high schoolers too. I, I that's one thing. I, I think this can start very young, young mm-hmm. guys being trained. Find someone to invest in you. And for maybe high schoolers, it's their dads, but older men in the church too, get with them. Man, that's so good. Yeah, I'll speak to people who might be like more in my situation, being a product of this or, you know, having the opportunity to, um, you know, surround yourself with other guys who are able and willing to be honest with you, not just about providing feedback that's helpful, but also constructive criticism as well with things to improve in. Uh, Because I think that can really be one way that God, you know, God's will is revealed through his people speaking with each other. It's really good. I think if we're thinking about how, not just how to grow churches, but how do we pass on the gospel to the next generation, then training leaders is just as important as training your sons. And also that means on the other side that it's just as necessary for the sons to learn from their father. And so, yeah, I think we live in a world right now that is so easy to look at guys who are moving and shaking and changing the world. But really, if we look at the uh, entire view of history, we see that all that changed does very little. But what we really ought to be doing is protecting the gospel and passing it on. And so it's just training and it's just receiving training. That's so good. And there's no shortcut. Everything that you guys just packaged up and served to us so beautifully, like it takes patience, stay at it. Don't try to parachute in and just like land in some pastoral spot without the training, without the hard work of being in the local church, serving without notoriety or position or status. And I think that's so valuable for younger guys. Cause I, I remember getting out of seminary or being in seminary and thinking, I just want to go be a lead pastor somewhere, you know? And not realizing that all of the training that I was doing at the time in the local church was just a vital part of the process of equipping me to be able to shepherd. And that's continued even in pastoral ministry. I think there's so much that I wish that I had had more training. Um, So I don't think guys are going to look back and think, man, I wish I didn't spend all that time apprenticing with Dan, uh, training in the local church. I wish I had done less time and got out earlier. I think we're always going to look back and be like, uh, you know, Dan, I'm praying about, I'm, you're praying for interns and I'm praying about coming over there, man. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> um, guys, thank you. This has been, uh, I think so much of this encouragement, putting strength into people to do what we know we need to be doing. So a lot of guys listening in, they're not going to be like, oh, leadership development. I did not think of that. But sometimes I think we can get so discouraged or the enemy can isolate us and we can forget our calling or forget vital parts of it. So you have blessed us greatly by your example and by word just to encourage us to press on and to take this up for the sake of the gospel and Jesus's glory in the world and to keep moving really grateful for each of you and for your example and for your time. Lord bless you guys. 
Well, a huge thank you to those guys for their time and for their wisdom. I pray that you were encouraged and challenged to continue to pursue training and to train in the context of the local church. If you want to take Dan up on his very gracious offer to reach out to him for any wisdom or resources, you can do so by going to gracecranston.com. That's gracecranston.com. You can find his information there. If you want to reach out to us, reminder, you can submit articles or subscribe to our newsletter at smalltownsummits.com. You can find our contact information there as well. As you continue the work of entrusting the gospel to faithful men who can teach others also, may God strengthen you with the grace that is in Christ Jesus. God bless you.